Chapter Fifteen of His First and Last Appearance by Francis J. Finesse J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Fifteen, in which Professor Himmelstein gives an account of himself and restores Philip to perfect good humor. This train halfway to Milwaukee. It was now Philip's turn to grow pale. So moaned Himmelstein. And where, where is Isabel? gasped the boy. He had ceased weeping. His emotions were too violent for tears. She's on her way to New York. By this time she is off for one hundred twenty miles. Philip felt sure now that he was dreaming. He rubbed his eyes and pinched himself. I, I don't understand, he said, beginning to tremble. Is it a joke, or, or, what is it? No, Philip, it is not a joke. But Isabel, I want to see Isabel. The boy's senses were losing their numbness, and he broke into a wail. Hush, hush, people are looking at you. Stop, hissed Himmelstein, who, thoroughly frightened himself, looked fiercer than Philip had ever seen him before. The terrified boy checked himself with a great effort, though his bosom heaved, his breath came fast, and large tears stood in his eyes and rolled down his cheeks. I want Isabel. Oh, what shall I do? He was breaking into loud weeping again. If you cry, whispered Himmelstein, putting his hand over Philip's mouth, I will tell you nothing. But if you keep still, I will give you the whole story, and I will show you why you must not be frightened, but why you must be very glad, Philip. I have good news. When you hear it, you will not cry, but you will laugh. Does Isabel know where I am? Oh, yes, she has already received a telegraph that you are with me. I sent it just before we left Chicago. And, Philip, I will bring you back to her in New York, so that you will be there for Christmas Eve. I, I want to go back now, moaned the boy. But no, my boy, you cannot go back now. But when you do go back, you will have, oh, so much money. I have one hundred fifty dollars of my own. It is for you, and you will be paid sixty dollars more. Paid sixty dollars? Who will pay me sixty dollars? The man who gives the lecture. Gives a lecture? Listen, Philip, and I will tell you all. It is now the 19th of December. On the night of the 22nd, you will sing one song, just one little song, in public. That is all. Then on the next day, you will come with me back to New York with two hundred and ten dollars to give your good sister Isabel for a present. But Isabel, does she know about this? Listen, Philip, and I will tell you all. Philip, I loved you, and I loved your beautiful voice, and I trained it till it was the finest voice in New York, and I was proud of it, oh, so proud. And I wanted to make your voice to be heard by the great musical public, and Isabel would not, and I begged, and she would not. My heart was nearly broken. The sweet voice is the gift of the good God, and she would not let it be sung. When she went from New York, I was alone in the world, and I did no longer like the taste of life. I cared not to teach, and I would go back to the Vaterland. But when the time come that I should go, I could not. I could not go with you and Isabel and the little kinder at my heart. Here the wretched Himmelstein patted Philip caressingly on the cheek. The boy shrunk from his touch, and the man winced. Ah, Philip, you trust me not. Listen, and you will understand. I could not leave the States before that voice was given once, just once, 
only once to the public and so i made up to go to milwaukee and find you philip and see you once again ah i love you and i would not hurt you but i had to do it and did you go to milwaukee yes philip behold professor himmelstein removed his spectacles slipped them into his pocket and in their place put on a pair of dark glasses from his coat pocket he produced a false beard and fitted it on oh cried philip it's the face we saw against the pane two nights ago yes philip i disguised myself but why because i came to see you my boy and i did not know but that i might get you away in somehow and i did not want any one to know me philip began to blubber no philip don't or you make me unhappy have i not been unhappy enough have i not suffered the torture of the heart listen when i got to milwaukee it was on the day of the seventeenth and i went down the town for my dinner and then i was walking along the street when i see you you yourself standing a cake and candy store beside and then you went to the window of the store and you looked in and i could see that you were cold and you did begin to utter that beautiful voice and it was the voice of an angel and oh philip it was so beautiful and i did make up my mind to steal not you not you but that beautiful voice of the angel when i come to milwaukee it was only to see your face again it was to see isabel and marie and charlie it was in the hope of getting you to sing despite of isabel it was to watch over you all but when i heard you sing i was tempted i could not resist your voice philip was my voice and i was made up my mind to steal it but what did you want to do i was going to run away with the voice to boston and to get you to sing there in one concert and then to send you back to isabel but this is not the way to boston no philip you are right it is not from the time i did see you on the street i did follow you close and so i soon did hear that you were going to new york once more again was it you that the sisters saw when isabel fainted yes i followed you because i wanted to steal you away but when i heard that you go back to new york i thought to steal you in chicago and bring you back to milwaukee so i did not follow you any more did you send me that coat did it fit you well first rate replied philip kindly refraining from telling the professor that his gift had not been used it looks very fine on you observed himmelstein with an attempt at smiling which was a horrible failure realizing the effect he removed his glasses and beard and tried again the failure this time was not so marked what did you do next i did nothing but think and walk around but yesterday afternoon i was passing the paps theatre and there i met a musicianer of whom i had the acquaintance in new york he brought me in and showed me the theatre and he told me how a gentleman had telegraphed and secured the hall for a lecture on christmas in song and story on the night of december the twenty-second the musicianer said how the gentleman had given him the commission to get three soloists and philip my heart did jump philip was getting interested just the least touch of redness about his eyes was all that was left of his late grief and terror did he want a boy soprano he wanted a good soloist liking better a good soprano and listen philip isabel your good sister would not have the objection if she knew philip the man who gives the lecture is a gentleman and very good and very wealthy and it is for a select audience 
I have been told that all the nicest ladies and gentlemen of the city will be there. Oh, no, it is not a common audience, such as Isabel would not like. No, it is most select. They do not pay the money at the door, but they enter by card. It is very high, it is elevating, it is lofty, and Isabel will be glad. That's so, admitted the boy, now becoming quite tranquil. I'm sure Isabel would not object so very much. And then, when I bring her all that money, she will be rich, and won't have to bother about working and supporting us. My! Philip's idea of the value of a dollar was rather vague and exceedingly optimistic. But, he went on, did you offer to have me sing, and did the man agree? How could you do that? You didn't know then that you would catch me. I will explain. It is true that I did not know how to catch you. But when the musicianers say, the gentleman he wants some fine soprano, a boy preferred, to sing Noel, Philip gasped. So, to sing Noel at the end of the entertainment, I could not say nothing. Then I say, Mr. Julian, that was his name, Mr. Julian, give me twenty-four hours, and perhaps I get you the finest soprano in the United States. He say all right, and I promise to telegraph him already when I know sure. The time you went to buy your ticket, I saw you go over to the telegraph office. Was that what you went for? How you see everything. Yes, I sent a telegraph to Mr. Julian, which said, I have got the boy to sing Noel. And will my name be on the program? No, my dear. The look of enthusiasm died from Philip's face. Why not? You will sing under another name, my boy. From now until we start for New York, your name is Marion Filippo. Why can't I have my own name? pouted Philip. Because we might get arrested by a policeman. And put in jail? asked Philip, showing a new kind of interest. So, and my name will not be Professor Himmelstein, but Franz Schumann. Why, it will be fun, cried Philip, bright-eyed and radiant. So, drawled Franz Schumann, putting on his disguise, after an ineffectual attempt at smiling. While the foregoing conversation was going on, Isabel, seated in a Pullman car, was trying to conceal from the children her fears. They had now been traveling for over twenty minutes, and no word had come from Philip and Himmelstein, who, she supposed, were in the smoker. What could keep them so long? On the pretense of getting a glass of water for Charlie, she whispered in the porter's ear, as she passed up the aisle, would you kindly slip into the smoker and see whether there's a little boy there named Philip with a man with a very full mustache? He's a German, and his hair is long and grizzled. Any message for them, miss? Yes, you might say that Miss Lachance is waiting for them. They both belong to this car, but the man went there to take a smoke. The porter looked puzzled. Why did he go there? Every Pullman has its own smoker. All right, ma'am, he added quickly as he noticed the distress that came upon the girl's face. I'll go at once. Isabel returned to her place with a sinking heart. Why had she not thought of it before? There was absolutely no need for the professor to go to the ordinary smoking car. Perhaps, but she refused to let her thoughts travel on the ugly way of suspicion. Summoning a smile, she turned to the children and began chatting with them quite gaily. Presently the porter glided up to her. There ain't no such persons in the smoking car, he whispered. Beg pardon, miss, you look ill. Shall I bring you a drink of water? If you please, the girl murmured. Are you ill, Isabel? asked Marie. A little dizzy, dear, 
People often get dizzy on the cars. The porter returned with the water. Isabel swallowed a little. Thank you, she said. You are very kind. Anything you want, miss, let me know. With an effort, Isabel addressed herself to entertaining the children. Is Miss Isabel a chance in this car? asked an official of the road in a loud tone as he threw open the door and entered. That is my name, said the girl, putting her hand to her heart. This is for you, then, he said, handing her a telegram. Her fingers so trembled that she could scarcely tear the envelope. Shading her face with her hand so that the children could not see it, she read the following. Miss Isabella Chance, fill up with meat and will be with me till December 24th. We'll bring him back safe. Do not worry. Do not look for him. It is useless. We are traveling. Henry Himmelstein. The words were straight and clear to her eye at the first reading. Then when she essayed to read them again, they danced and whirled about the yellow sheet. For several minutes, still shading her face, Isabel kept her eyes fixed on the dancing letters, kept them there till the characters ceased their motions and fell into their proper places. Isabel, Isabel, she heard her name called. It seemed to come from far away, though the words fell from Marie at her side. Well, dear, she answered mechanically. What's the matter, Isabel? Has anything happened to Philip? You look so pale. He's with Professor Himmelstein, my dear. And now I will go and say my beads. Take care of Charlie. Isabel retired to an obscure corner of the car and told her beads. She told them well and fervently, and for well nigh every bead there was a tear. When she returned half an hour later to the children, her face was serene and calm. Not so her heart. Isabel was brave. The fox might gnaw, but she would not cry out. End of chapter 15